welcome you to our Sunday service this morning. Those who are online and those in the sanctuary, God bless you. And just open up your hearts to receive the word of the Lord today. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a song that says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stain. If you, have, if you don't know God today, you can come to know him. You can be that one who said, I have been redeemed, hallelujah, by the blood of the Lamb. So praying for Alva Kellyman. If you have a prayer request this morning, please raise your hand.
worship him wherever you're at. Wherever you're at, you don't have to move if you don't want to. There's a spirit of worship in here. Let's continue to worship the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. 
to change. No weapon formed against me shall prosper when I call that name. No weapon. No weapon formed against me shall prosper when I call that name Jesus. That name Jesus. That name Jesus. Yeah. 
against me shall prosper. Jesus, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Jesus, your Lord, you are our King. You are our Deliverer. You have placed a hedge of protection over us to keep us from the devourers. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. No weapon formed against us will prosper. for tuning in to us and being a part of this service. We're glad to have you. And those who are here, glad to have you. Amen? Amen. We have some guests with us. First, second, and third time guests with us. I'm just going to invite you to stand so we can acknowledge you. Just acknowledge you and Blessed we are to have you. Amen. Thank you for coming. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. I have uh, just a few announcements here. Two announcements to be specific. And um, then I'll just move right along so the man of God can come in and preach. Amen. Um. On November the 25th, Christ Center Church will be hosting a dinner at the Rescue Mission of Trenton. We are scheduled to feed approximately 200 people. We are still in need of volunteers to cook, um, purchase items, or even still give a monetary donation. Please be advised today is the last day to give. If you're interested, please see Brother Calvin. Brother Calvin, please just raise your hand. It's Brother Calvin, Sister Wyatt, or the planning committee in the rear after service. So see one of them so we can um, continue um, take care of this issue. Amen. Brother, okay, the evangelism team is going to meet briefly after service. So I need for you to... Um, they're going to meet over here at the front. So just meet with us right after. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Um, and I just want to make you aware that every Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, we have Sunday service. We have our, um, our adult Sunday school. It is 
It is just great. We have different teachers. And, you know, depending on how you learn, we, we have a variety of teachers bringing different styles. And it helps you to dig more into the Word. We can never learn too much of the Word of God. Amen? So I, I'm encouraging you to come a little earlier and hear the Word. We have Sunday school for the kids also. And um, just bring your kids. Come a little earlier. And you will be blessed. Amen? Amen. It's offering time. It's offering time. So... Uh, I'll invite you to stand and we will just uh, pray over the offering. Just one more thing. I had a hard time remembering Brother Bradley's name. Brother Bradley is in charge of the um, evangelism. So meet Brother Bradley. (laughs) I'm sorry, Brother Bradley. Okay. Let us pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you once more. Lord, we are in a place where, in comparison to others, we are comfortable. A lot of things happening all over the world. In Iceland, they are expecting volcano. There is earthquake other places. There is war in other places, Lord Jesus. We thank you, O God. And Lord Jesus, let us not sleep on this, Lord. Let us call upon your name more. Let us just praise you and worship you, Lord, and have those people in mind, praying for them, praying for their deliverance, praying for their, that they will come forth alive and they will know you for themselves, Lord. Lord Jesus, you have given us this strength and ability to work, and Lord, I pray that you would bless us, O oh God, and continue to bless us. Those who don't have a job, are, are not able to work, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would make a way for them so they too will be able to give. And we ask these mercies in Jesus' name. We ask you to bless our offering this morning in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Come forth with your tithes and offering, please.
worship him in the room. Speak the name of Jesus over your situation. When you have nothing else to say, when it doesn't make sense, just call Jesus. Just call his name. His power in the name of Jesus.
There is none like Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus. Nobody can do what Jesus can do. There is nothing that's too hard for Jesus. There is no situation that's too hard for Jesus. There is nothing that you're going through that Jesus can't help you get through. Oh, hallelujah. get in the word of God, don't forget our Christmas banquet is December 22nd. It will be at the Marriott in Princeton, Forestal Village. Uh, adults, $60. Young people, 12 through 17, 35. And children, 5 through 11, is $15. As I mentioned to you, this is one of our events where our church give back learned a long time ago, if you don't have any skin in the game, you don't care too much about things. And so, as opposed to us saying everybody come and the church will pay, 
We said, no, we need you to get some skin in the game so we know you're committed to coming. So we would love to have everyone there. We need to call in the count a week before we go. So make sure you see Sister Sylvia and give her your name and your deposit for the total amount. But all the amount needs to be paid um, five days. I guess that would be the 17th of December. We need to have all monies in so we can tell the Marriott how many people will be attending. Amen. We usually have a great time at our Christmas banquet, and we thank God for that. Amen. You know, God is omniscient. That means God knows everything. And as a minister of the gospel, God directs you to different passages, scriptures, and thoughts. Or sometimes he gives you a clear word um, that he wants you to speak. And I feel like he directed me to this passage. He didn't speak a word clearly to me. But he directed me to this passage of scripture and began to dig into it a little bit. I said, all right. And you, you just kind of follow the leading of the Spirit and obey what you feel like the Spirit of God is directing you to do. You don't know what it's all about. You just know this is how you've been led. And it wasn't until I got here this morning that I realized, that, God, you're something else. That's all what I can say sometimes. Like, just shake your head and say, God, you're something else. I think we all can do that, right? God, you're something else. Because he really is. And so I'd like to bring your attention to Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 12. And we have a pastor, elder bishop, Pastor Lewis and Sister Lewis is with us. We're so honored to have them. They've been with us a couple weeks now and uh, next week we got to give Pastor Lewis and Sister Lewis some time to greet us. So that means we got to cut something out next week, Brother Scarlett. <laughs> we want to hear from Pastor and Sister Lewis. They, they can greet us in Jesus' name. We don't want them to go back to Jamaica until we hear from them. So we look forward to that. Amen. Give honor where honor is due. It takes a whole lot to pastor and lead people for many years. Because in case you all don't know, yes, in actuality we serve you, but we're serving the Lord. In serving the Lord, we serve you. And we serve at the Lord's pleasure, not at our pleasure. We don't do this because we, we don't do it how we want to do it. We do it how he says do it. So we serve at the Lord's pleasure. And to do that for the amount of years that they have done it, trust me, honor is due. And so we honor them this morning and thank them for being with us. To all of our guests, we welcome you. We're so glad that you could come and be with us this morning. As I like to say to all of our guests, maybe someone invited you. Maybe you found us through social media. But however you got here, it was orchestrated by God. How can you say that, preacher? The devil don't want you to go to church. So that's easy. And most of the times... 
we don't want to go to church. Because we like to say, Sunday is my only time to rest. Come on now, somebody. Be truthful. We like to say, Sunday is my only rest day. I work hard all week. Saturday, I run my errands and clean my house. Sunday is my only day I get to rest. So if we could be saved without going to church, we would be here Sunday morning. All right, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate that, my brother. Somebody telling me something that is true. If we could be saved without going to church Sunday mornings, we would not come to church on Sunday mornings because we're saying that's our rest day. <laughs> and so because we're here, we're here because God wanted us to be here. That's why we're here. Some of us, he got us here against our will. He can't make you go against your will. But he just weaved the web to lead you here. And so you probably wasn't thinking about being here, but God knows how to uh, make the path that you end up here and ask yourself, how did I get here? It's like me. And I'm sure for many other ministers, I'm standing before you, and I still ask myself today, how did I get here? Because God has that kind of influence where he can get you to some place and you don't know how he did it. You just know you got there. How did I get here? I think we all can see that. How did I get here? Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 12. Take my time and read through this verse. The word of God says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 12. That ye be not slothful, lazy. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Did you get that? I'm reading slow so you can get it. Don't wait for me to preach. Don't listen to to the reading of the scripture so I can get to preaching. Let's just focus on reading the scripture. Can we do that? Can we focus on just reading the scripture and take our time to get to wherever we're going to? I'll read that again. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit Don't be lazy. Be patient. Have faith. And you will inherit the promise. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. God is no respecter of persons. Everything you read about somebody else, that can go for you. Because God don't say, I'm going to do this for him, but not so much for you. That's how we roll. God doesn't roll like that. So when you read, when he says, multiplying, I will multiply thee, he can do the same for you. He is no respecter of persons. Abraham is no better than you. 
help us, Holy Ghost. And so after he had patiently endured, talking about Abraham, he obtained the promise. For men merely swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But when you make up an oath unto the Lord, that means you're speaking truth. And truth in all strife. Unfortunately, today, we're not allowing truth to end all strife. We're in God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. I can lie. You can lie. Everybody can lie. It's impossible for God to lie. That's supposed to be comforting. Because whatever he says, take it to the bank. He can't lie. (laughs) Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us? Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. I want to talk to you this morning on a simple topic, the anchor of hope. Anchor of hope. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your miraculous touch and guidance upon Michael Sharp this morning, David Sharp this morning. I pray, Father, that you'll continue to guide the hands of the nurses, the doctors, all the physicians, and the healthcare workers that are watching over him. Give them guidance that they will minister the proper care to David Sharp. Touch him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. That your healing virtue will flow in his body and that he will be made whole. We want you to get all the glory. For you are our healer, our deliverer, our savior. It is in you we live and move and have our being. We thank you for his healing. Now, Lord, there are people in this place, in this building, online right now. That's a part of this service that needs healing, that needs deliverance, that needs guidance and direction, that needs to be made whole. That need to sound mine. That need, oh God, to hear from you. That they can apply your word in their life. God, only you can do what we all have need of in this house this morning. And we're depending on you. We're putting all of our trust in you because we need you. Without you, we have no hope. You are the anchor of hope. 
have your way in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In this life, we will experience storms of nature as well as storms of life. The Christian life is no different because we are in this world even though we're not of this world. But we're going to experience the nature of storms, the roaring seas, the rain, the floods, earthquake in diverse places, hurricanes. We will experience those things. And then we will experience the storms of life. David Sharp is going through. The Sharp family are going through. Many of us here this morning have situations that we're going through. It's called the storm of life. And as long as we are in this world, we're going to experience the storms of life. We are exposed to storms of persecution, storms of doubt, storms of remorse, of inward corruption, of outward adversity. And to the last great, the storm of death, which so many of us know all too well. But thanks be to God. That in all of it, we can possess complete security, for we have an anchor of hope for our soul. There is hope no matter what you're dealing with this morning. No matter what you're going through this morning, there is hope. You don't have to just succumb to what you're going through. What you have to do is find out where is the hope and cling to that hope. Ancient seamen use multiple anchors to anchor their ships. However, they call the strongest anchor of their ship the sacred anchor. So no matter how many anchors they had, they let down, they always had one that they were like, this is the sacred anchor. This one I know will never fail. This one I know will never let me down. This one is the sacred anchor. They reserve it as the last hope for times when the vessel was in real peril. The main purpose, about to get into the message because the Lord just thrust me into it this morning. Here is the main purpose of what I'm telling you today because we're going to work with this. The main purpose of an anchor is to keep a ship or a boat from drifting. I ask 
ask the Lord this morning, why am I preaching every Sunday morning or every Wednesday that I stand before you? I ask the Lord, what do you want to do so I can communicate what you want to do with the people so they will know? And the thing he put in my spirit this morning was this. They're drifting. I did not know that's what the main thrust of this message would be. I just know the anchor was what he wanted me to talk about. But this morning before I came before you, he communicated to me, talk about drifting. Because there's a drift. When he said that to me, I had to leave out of the sanctuary and go back in my office and look up the meaning, the definition of drift. The definition say to be carried along by currents of water or air or by the force of circumstances. I said, oh, God, you are out of control. So when we are drifting, it means we're being carried away by water or by air or by circumstances. We don't even know we're moving, but we're moving and we're moving out of the will Drifting means to wander aimlessly. So when we're drifting, we don't even realize we're drifting. We're moving and don't even know we're moving. We think we're on the same course we started off on, but we're drifting. And we are not realizing how much we are drifting, how much we have drifted. And God said, tell them they are drifting. And that's why I've come to preach to you today about the anchor of hope. You could have been in church for many years. You could have been in church longer than some of us have even been living. But the bottom line is you can drift and not know you have been drifting. You can end, you can be going in a direction and not realize you're going into it until it's too late. God has sent me here to tell you today, he will provide the anchor for your soul that you don't drift. Anymore. Just as a ship needs to be anchored so it doesn't drift off course, our soul needs an anchor so it stays on course and not drift off course. People will come up to us and try to talk to us about whatever we are going through, dealing with, and we don't like to hear, we don't like to be checked. We don't like to be told when we're not doing something that we need to do. And so we don't listen. But I want you to hear me today. It's not me that's speaking God is using my voice to speak to you. And I want to say to you this morning, God wants you to get anchored. God wants you to get anchored 
so you can stop drifting. I know you might not believe you were drifting, but because you're here this morning, you probably were drifting. God is omniscient. I told you that at the beginning, which means he always gives the preacher a word for the people that's there. You know, some of us that's been in church a long time, we like to say, man, sister so-and-so is missing this message. Brother so-and-so is missing this message. We so far behind on that. Don't worry about that. You think God didn't know they weren't going to be here? God is only interested in who is here. I'm not telling you God don't love everybody. I'm not telling you God don't want to. What I'm telling you is when the message of God is coming forth, he is only concerned with who is here. And so we only need to be concerned that we are here. We can't worry about anybody else. We can't worry about who should have been here. Guess what? We need to be here. Where the Sunday school teacher? Hey, Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teacher talked about that this morning. That what you have, you take it so somebody else can get on course because of what's going on in your life. So instead of worrying about who should have been here, you just live the life. You just live the life of the word that has been preached to you that is saying, stop drifting. We are living in a rapidly changing world created by advances in science, advances in technology, and with this liberal media that we're dealing with that's trying to put fear in us. These all have had radical effects upon the culture, the way we think, and the way we live. These are things that are causing us to drift. The science, the technology, the media is causing us to drift. And we're explaining it away. We have read of Generation Z and Generation Alpha. And we do not understand how they think. And if we don't instill godly values in them, their values will be totally different from ours. And they will be drifting away from where they need to be in Christ. As the prophet had said, we have sown the wind and we are now reaping the whirlwind. The media has molded the minds of so many that it has created Generational gaps. And this is why we're just broken up. We have gone past COVID now for some time. But we're still living the effects of COVID. Don't you let yourself think that COVID is gone now and we're just okay. We will have the effects of COVID for the rest of our life. The way how we operate, the way how we behave, our mindset has been manipulated, has been touched and changed in so many ways because of the impact of COVID. How we behave, how we do things now. We have all of this stuff that's going on with corporations. They're struggling because they realize they have to increase pay because people want better working conditions. And some corporations are fighting against it because they're like, how are we going to afford this? And then the people are saying, well, I can't work under those conditions anymore. 
people are demanding and should demand more pay. But the organizations are saying, how am I going to just increase everybody's pay across the board? Our company will go in bankrupt if we do that. So you have the organizations are struggling how to get with the program and catch up with the effects of COVID. And then you have people that are trying to live and work and trying to make the best life they can. But COVID is impacting all of it. We've gone past it. (laughs) Some of us here today, including myself, before we came to the Lord, we sinned. And sinned and sinned. And even some of you, some of us, sinned while we're in the Lord. And some sin, you're going to have to pay for it for the rest of your life. We don't want it. God forgave you for it. It's not going to stop you from going to heaven if you live right. But you're still going to pay for the effects of it. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we're going to have to deal with the effects of COVID probably until we leave here or until Jesus comes. Make no mistake about it. But what we have to make sure we don't allow it to do is cause us to drift. We don't want the effects of COVID to cause us to drift. You know, God is so good and we don't understand this about God and We're so hard-headed and stuff like that. But if you read through Scripture, what you will notice a whole lot is as soon as we start experiencing, I don't know, just goodness and blessings and, you know, favor, as soon as we start experiencing it, we drift from the one who gave it. I don't know how God does it. I know he's God and he don't need my help. I can't help him. But I don't know how he does it, that he will just provide for us. He, he blesses us. He work out things for us. And as those things begin to happen, we start drifting from him. We start getting caught up in what the goodness of God is instead of getting caught up in who God is. And all he does is he has to balance the scale of how much to give us so we still stay where we need to stay and not drift. You don't think God wants you to be abundantly blessed? Because think about it like this. If we were in a position, a strong economical position or whatever position to help others, don't you think our light can shine better if we were able to reach people in a way where not only do we minister them in prayer and and, and just loving them in the word of God, but we can help them out in financial. Don't you think that would be even more impactful? But the problem is, if he give us, entrust us with that kind of liberty and blessing, we're going to drift. And so, for human terminology, the Lord is in a conundrum. He's not in a conundrum. Just don't read into that much. You know what I'm saying. He wants to do more than what we're allowing him to do. He wants to do a whole lot more than what we are allowing him to do because as soon as he blesses us, as soon as he does something great in our life, we start drifting. And so he has sent me here this morning to tell you, you need an anchor. You need an anchor for your soul. Yes. Our whole moral value system is changing. Many of us are shocked 
at what the polls reveal, how morally corrupt we are and have become. People are saying today that character is not all that important as long as the economy is good. The history of the nation of Israel recorded in the Old Testament is a classic proof of the scripture that says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The prophet Azariah warned King Asa that if you seek the Lord, he will be found of you. But if you forsake the Lord, he will forsake you. We want to forsake God, but we don't want God to forsake us. The whole world is drifting toward destruction and we desperately need an anchor for our soul. Oh, God, help us today that we realize that we need an anchor for our soul. In Hebrews 6 and 17, where we read, it says, We're in God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs, talking about us, of the promise, the immutability. Immutability, immutability means unchangeability. God cannot change. God cannot change. Of his counsel, confirm it by his oath. Guess what? God cannot change, therefore God cannot lie. If, if the Bible tells us God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man should, that, that he may repent. If he said it, so shall it be. The bottom line is God can't lie because God can't change, and he was never a liar. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. Lies came by Satan. He is the creator of lies. That's why he's called the father of lies. But Jesus is truth. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth. Jesus Christ is truth, and he can't change from being the truth. In order for God to show that his promise cannot change, he confirmed the truth with an oath. God didn't need to take an oath. Today, in the courtroom, God always do things so we can relate. It has nothing to do with what... He is, and, and, and the things that he can do, he has to do things so we can relate because there's a lot of things about God that we cannot relate. So he has to use the things that we are familiar with to get us to relate. Today in the courtroom, we are still required to take an oath that the testimony we're about to give is the truth. We promised to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In a sense, God swore that he swore that what he said was the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The purpose of an oath is to end all arguments. I remember growing up in Jamaica. I can't say it now because it might not sound right. But I remember as a kid when we wanted people to believe us. Oh, I can say it. We used to say, God believe me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we used to do that. That was our way of let, letting somebody know, I'm telling you the truth. The Lord did not have to swear 
that what he said was true, for it is impossible for God to lie. But he desired to remove, this is why he did it, he desired to remove all doubts in the mind of man so he confirmed the truth with an oath. God swore to the truth in order to give you and I, who are the heirs of the promises of God, strong comfort. He wanted us to be sure of the hope that we have eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ and to establish the truth firmly. Therefore, he confirmed it with an oath. God can't swear by any higher because he's the highest. God can't swear by anything else because he is everything. The word of God exhort Christians today. To imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise of God. Remember we read that earlier? He used Abraham as an example. Listen to me. Some of you in here, you need God to do something miraculous in your life. And I want to tell you this. If you will imitate Abraham, you will see that pass, that, 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 that miracle come to pass. God's main promise to Abraham is recorded in Genesis 22, verse number 16 through 17. In spite of Abraham's failure and sins, that's important to hear. In spite of Abraham's failures and sins, God kept his promise and Isaac was born. Watch this. Many of God's promises do not depend on our character, but on his, God's, and our faithfulness. And so God has made promises to us. And church, hear me this morning. Don't worry about what it looks like to, to kind of figure out if the promise that God has made is going to come to pass. Don't worry about what it looks like. You and I, we go by what we can see, but the Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. We don't figure out that God is going to do something by evidence that we see. We know God will do what he says because he can't lie and he can't change. Whatever God says, he will do. The only thing we have to do is be faithful. That's all we have to do. Be faithful. He can't lie. He can't change. Whatever promises he made us. They will come to pass. We might want them to come to pass today or tomorrow, but hear me. I love the Lord, and let me tell you something good about him. He knows process does more than us just going through them. Process build character. Process help us to know him deeper than we have ever known him. Stop despising the process. Stop trying to circumvent the process. The process is needful so we can know God in the way we need to know him. So the next time that problem come about, you can thrive. You can soar. And you don't have to worry about it because you said he did it before. He'll do it again. That's the kind of God we serve. Many of his promises, we can, we know we're just faithful. 
he will take care of it. The phrase patiently endure is the exact opposite of slothful. You will begin and enjoy what God has promised if you remain faithful. Diligently apply yourself to development of your spiritual life. You've heard me said before, waiting on God don't mean do nothing. Wait, waiting on God don't mean you just chill. And I'm waiting for God to do something because he ain't done nothing, nothing here. Remember what I told you a long time ago. I used to be a waiter for many years. I wait tables for many years. I love waiting on tables. I went out to a nice dinner last night. Some good folks in the church took me out last night, and I had a great dinner. And I love to talk to waiters because I just think I was one of the very best that ever did it. Right, little bro? All right. I was one of the very best that ever did it. So, so I love to go out and see what they're doing, still, see if I can still do it. You know, I just, can I do this again? And so I'm talking to the waiter, and I'm watching him work. He was a good waiter. He, he was very good. He knew what he was doing. But my point is when you go to a restaurant, the person that's taking care of you is called a waiter. What if he doesn't do anything and you sit at the table? What happens? All you're going to have is bread and water. If the waiter just, if the waiter doesn't do anything, all you will get is bread and water. Because the busboy or the assistant waiter, that's what they bring over, the bread and the water. That's all you're going to have if the waiter never come and wait on you. So now we know when God say, wait on me, he's saying, occupy, do something, serve me, worship me, live for me while you're waiting on me. Just don't come to church and sit around and say, God, until you do something, I can't move. Waiting on God requires something, work. The believers who neglect church fellowship, the believers who doesn't worship and praise the Lord, the believers who ignores the Bible and never reads it, the believer who doesn't share the word of God with others, the believer who forgets to pray is not going to reap much of a harvest at all in their life. Because we can't sit around and just say, God, do what you got to do. We can't just keep coming to church every Sunday, Sunday in, Sunday out, and sitting down not doing anything and saying, God, what you going to do? First of all, if you do that long enough, sooner or later, you're going to get frustrated and walk away from God. Because, because God's going to wait you out. God's going to say, as long as you sit there, I'm not doing nothing. Oh. As long as you come and sit. God is going to sit on you. Oh, I know we want to hear something better than that. If you sit, the Bible says, if you deny me, how do you praise God while you're sitting? How do you give God glory while you're sitting? If you deny him, he will deny you, which simply means if you sit on me, I'm sitting on you. And so we now are in a conundrum because we like to come. And today we're so intelligent. We're so smart today. We're so educated today. So we can sit and pick apart what the preacher is saying and try to figure out. And if the preacher talking good, you say, all right, he's talking good. If he says some stuff that ain't legit, you get on your phone and check and see if he's legit or not. And so we can sit back and just kind of dissect what's going on, listen about what's going on. But if that's what you're doing, God is sitting on you. And you're kind of wasting your time. 
It's not until we do something to let God know we are not denying him will he come and do something in our life. It'll be, it, would, it, it would be such a travesty that we come to church as often as we do and we don't get to reap all the goodness and the blessings of God and miss out on eternal life. That would be just a travesty. It just, it just would be a travesty. God called us to be participators and not spectators. Listen, we have natural anchors, what we would call material anchors. Material anchors, they're sure. They are steadfast. As I said, they keep that vessel from drifting. Spiritual anchor is a little bit different from a material anchor. So when the Lord is telling us about an anchor, he is so good. He gives us something to relate to. And so he gives us the material anchor so we can look how it relates. And so now let's get into the spiritual anchor as I bring this to a close here. Spiritual anchor. Our spiritual anchor is just a tad bit different from the anchors on a ship. I guess that would make sense, right? For one thing, a spiritual anchor is anchored upward. Anchor up, baby. That's what I'm going to title the sermon. Anchor up. Because our anchor as Christians are not like the anchor of a ship or a boat. The ship or a boat anchor goes down. But our, our anchor, anchor up. We're not anchored to the ground. We're anchored in him. Help me somebody. Help me somebody. We're anchored upward to heaven, not downward. We're anchored not to stand still. Watch this. We're anchored not to stand still, but to move ahead in righteousness without drifting. So while the vessel, the natural material boat that's anchored is anchored so he can stay still, we are anchored not to stay still, but to go in righteousness and stay on course. This is why church service is important, in case you missed that. It keeps you on course. It keeps you from drifting. Coming to church every week, week in and week out, what you're saying is, I'm not drifting because the navigation system is pointing in the direction that I need to go. So while I'm anchored, I'm not anchored to stay still. I'm anchored to go forward in righteousness. Our anchor is sure. It cannot break. It's steadfast. It cannot slip. No earthly anchor can give that kind of security than the anchor we have in Jesus Christ. Just as an anchor keeps a ship from drifting away, so the firm and secure hope that believers have will keep us from drifting away from Jesus Christ. I'm getting to a close here. In Psalms 42, verse 11, when David was discouraged and depressed, he said this in Psalms 42 and 11, Why art thou cast down, 
oh my soul. Church, we can talk to ourselves if we got Christ. And we're not even talking to ourselves if you got Christ. You're talking to him. Uh-huh. Why art thou cast down, oh my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You hear me? Talk to yourself. Tell yourself, oh soul, I want to be anchored in God. Oh soul, trust in God. Oh soul, hunger for God. Oh, I need medicine from the Lord. I need the word of God to feed my soul. Soul, have hope in God, soul. Don't let the things of this world cause you to drift and to worry, but soul, trust in God and be anchored in him. We are told in our text that the hope we have is an anchor of the soul. It's both sure and steadfast. But it also says, and which enter it into that within the veil. We have an anchor that keeps our soul steadfast and sure. Yes, we do. In the Old Testament, our high priest, the high priest in the Old Testament, was allowed to go within the veil only once per year. And he had to do so after many washings and sacrifices. Once per year. To go within the veil was to enter into the presence of God. However, when Jesus was crucified, that veil was torn down into from top to bottom. The Lord signifying that the way has now been made for all men to enter into his presence if they follow him. Paul wrote in Ephesians that through Jesus we have access to the Father. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Ask your soul, why are you cast down? Why are you worried? Soul, why are you cast down? Soul, why are you worried when you have an anchor? That will lift you up. <laughs> because soul, you're anchored upward. You're anchored up, soul. Why, soul, will you be cast down? Why, soul, will you be worried? Should you anchor up to the one that will take you above your circumstances? Should you anchor up to the one who will cause you to overcome all the situations? Should you not anchor up to the one 
who will give you victory. So why are you cast down? So why are you worried? Church, ah, if I can tell you today, the Lord is asking us to anchor up because we worry so much. We're so concerned with all that we're going through, with all that we have challenges with. And God says, why are you worried? Why are you cast down? Why are you letting your situation get the best of you when I, your God, how I am available to anchor you up and to secure you that you will not be destroyed. Why aren't you anchored up soul to God? There is nothing that you're going through. There is nothing that you're challenged with. There is nothing that is so terrible right now going on in your life that the anchor for your soul cannot help you to raise above or rise above or be victorious in. I need you to know, trust God. Hear me today, somebody, whether you're living or you're going to die, all you need to know, the God that we serve is the God of the living and the God of the dead. If you're living, you need to deal with him. If you're dead, you're going to have to deal with him. So we need to just anchor up and know not even death can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can get in the way of our anchored up with the Lord. Nothing. Whether you're living, whether you're dead, whatever it is, if you will just be faithful and trust God. Nothing can get in the way. Nothing can stop you. Not even death. That's why we got to look at death and say, what you got, death? Bring it on. I'm anchored in the one that gives life. I'm anchored in the one that brings healing. I'm anchored in the one that brings deliverance. I'm anchored in the one that sets free. I'm anchored in the one that saves Soul, why are you cast down, soul? Soul, why are you worried? Because you don't have to. You don't have to. Oh, you may be going through something real terrible right now. You may be going through something really difficult right now. But God said, you don't have to worry and you don't have to fret. He says, don't wait till the battle is over. You can shout right now. You can praise him no matter what you're going through. You can praise him while you're hurting. You can praise him while the situation looks like it's the darkest of the darkest time. But if you will praise him, God will show you and bring you through. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I'm finished here. What only the high priest could do before Jesus did and allowed us to partake as well. In this way, Christ's High priestly work was different from any other high priest. Other priests took people's sacrifice and represented them in the presence of God. But now, through Christ, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and present ourselves as the sacrifice. They used to have to give sacrifice before the priest can go into the holies of holies. 
once a year. But today, we can enter in. Today, if we will just humble ourselves, if we will just surrender ourselves, we can enter in for ourselves. We don't need to go to anybody else. We don't need anybody to do anything for us. We can enter in and call on the name of the Lord and ask him to anchor us because the times are so challenging, because the times, the days are so evil, because Satan is so at work. God, anchor us up! That we will not drift, that we will not go in a way where we cannot come back from. Stand with me. Stand with me. If you find yourself drifting off God's course, because God has brought you on his course, we don't get saved overnight. But God put us on course. And once we get on course, we start to go in the way that God wants us to go. If you find yourself drifting off God's course, He wants to set you back on course. His word today is to get you back on course. Church, I can't tell you this enough. I was talking to a young person a couple days ago, and I was telling them, this is interesting. Let me share this with you as we close up here. If you live your life straddling the fence, some of God, some of you, you're not going to experience what God has for you. If you live your life according to our world system, you're going to have to depend on the world system to do whatever you need. I don't know any of you in here. Maybe I can break it down this easy for you. I don't know any of you in here who would be in a relationship giving your all and tell the other person they don't have to give their all. Who does that? Who is in a relationship, a marital relationship or a sibling relationship, whatever relationship that's legit, not illegitimate relationships. You don't give your all to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Do I need to say that again? You don't give your all to boyfriend and girlfriend. You give your all to your wife and your husband. But who wants to be in a relationship where they gave their all and tell the other person, eh, you can get 50%. Anybody accepting that? I'm going to give all, but you can give 75%. So why do we want Jesus to accept that? Why do we want the Lord Jesus to accept 75%, 50%, 25%, and he's constantly giving 
Why do we want that? How do we make that work? How does the math math in that? That we're giving up. He's giving a hundred and we're saying, he goes 75, Lord, I'm doing the best that I can. Oh God, he goes 50, I'm doing the best that I can. You think God is accepting that? We need to stop treating God like he is some chump. Like he is slow. Oh, he don't really understand. So I'll give him 50 and he'll be good with that. It doesn't work that way, church. And here is what God is, how his character is. You keep giving him 50, you keep giving him 75, you keep giving him 25, you keep giving him 10. You know what he's going to do? He's going to just stand, stand back and wait for your storm to come. That storm, that's going to just overtake you. He's going to just sit there and just wait and see what you do. Because God is not going to be unjust. And he would be unjust by saying, I'm giving 100, but you're okay to give 75. That's unjust. He can't do it. He can't change. It's time for us to get God results. And how you get God results. Can we stop and just live our life for little blessings here. Oh God, I need some finance. Okay, here. And we think, wow, God loves me. He gave me some money. You think that's what you think that that's what God wants? No, God don't want you to suffer. He don't want you to struggle. He wants giving, but that's not what he wants. God wants a relationship with you. Where you're giving a hundred percent and he always give a hundred percent. We have to stop living our life for God to just throw out a little blessing over here. Oh, you need healing? Okay, here you go. Oh, you, you need a new house? Oh, let me take care of that. Oh, your kid is acting up? Oh, I'll help you out with that. Is that what we think God does? Is that what we? Is that how he operates? That every time we need a little something, something, he just throw it out? It doesn't work that way, church. It doesn't work that way. God needs 100% from every one of us. I can't tell you what that 100% is because I'm not you. I only can tell him or show him what my 100% is. Only you know what your 100% is. I am staying out of that. I am staying out of that. Your 100% to God is between you and God. And I know God is able to let you know if you're given a hundred or not. I know he know. So I don't have to get into that business. Now, I kind of have an idea what a hundred percent look like. But I'm staying out of it. Because everybody's in a different place. And while you might be given 75 today, God knows probably next week you're working your way up to 85. And the next week you might be up to 95. He knows that. I don't know that. That's why it's between you and him. But he has sent me here to help you stay on course so you don't drift. He has sent me here this morning to talk to you about the anchor that he is to keep you from drifting. job by being proactive 
Have you ever taken a test where you have all the answers to it? You normally get finished first. Some people, they finish first because they didn't know any of the answers. But in a right situation, the person that is really smart, because I've seen it both ways, you study, you're smart, you know, you're done first. And you sit there, your paper turned down, swinging your foot. I know I got 100%. Then you got the other one over there. I don't know none of this. Put the foot down, and they try to find something to do, but they're not... They're, they don't look happy. But the one that knows it is happy. Whenever you know the answers to the tests, you're normally proactive. And can I tell you this? Too many of God's people are reactive. It's not a good way to be because you have the answer to the test. And so when you have the answer to the test, get ahead of it. And we're so reactive that we wait until something crazy happens. Then we come crying, God! Can we just stay proactive because we have the answer? Brother Henry talked about what's going on in Iceland. We know what's going on in Israel. We know what's going on in the Middle East and all of these different places. Things We know all this stuff. And what are we doing? Well, it ain't happening here. Or are we being proactive saying, I better anchor my soul to Jesus because something bigger than this is getting ready to happen. This is going on now, but it's going to get worse. It's not going to stay the way it is. It's going to get worse. Because the more we drift away from God, the more God allows things to happen to get us to come back on course. Before we go today, why don't you take a few minutes and ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to get you back on course. Ask the Lord to stop you from drifting today and commit your ways to giving Him 100%. Church, you don't lose. We don't lose when we give God everything. The things that we're holding on to that's preventing us from giving him 100%. You will see if you give 100%, they really didn't mean anything. So we've been holding on to things that are meaningless. And the only way you're going to know they were meaningless is when you let go of them and hold on to the anchor and get anchored up. Get anchored up, church. Get anchored up, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Uh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for stretching forth your hand and always giving us an opportunity to be saved, to get back on course, to not continue to drift. You're so good to us that you're always helping us. Lord, will you touch our minds? Will you help us, Lord God, to not be so rebellious? Will you help us, Almighty God, to not be so disobedient? Will you help us, Almighty God, that we will not be deceived anymore, but that we will get anchored up in you, that we will get anchored up in you, Lord God, and that our soul will be saved. 
our soul will be kept. Our soul, oh God, will find the peace that passes all understanding. Our soul, Almighty God, will be fed. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ today that we, Almighty God, will trust you like we've never trusted you. That we will, Almighty God, allow you to work in our life like you've never worked in our life. God, I pray that this word will not escape us, but that we will hold fast to the word of God and that we will trust in you, that we will serve you, worship you, give ourselves only to you, 100% of ourselves that we will give it to you, that you may do whatever you please with us. Keep us from drifting, Lord. Keep us from going in our own way. Keep us, Lord God, from the dangers of this life. And lead us in the path of righteousness. Lead us according to your will and your purpose. Father, help us to grow up in you. Help us to go in you where we need to go. Oh, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord God. Oh, somebody talk to the Lord before you leave here. Get honest with God. Be transparent with God. He knows everything. Will you be honest with Him? Will you be transparent? Because God knows everything. Humble yourself before the awesome and mighty power of God. Submit to Him. Trust Him and let Him have His way in your life. What other choice do you have? Nobody else can do what Jesus can do. What other choice do you have? Serve the Lord with gladness. Trust Him in everything. And let Him have His way in your life. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God help us today. God help us today. Somebody hear me. God saved your life today. You were going in the wrong direction and you didn't know you were drifting. You ought to get on your knees today and thank God because he could have allowed you to keep drifting, but he just brought it to your attention so you see that you are drifting. God is able to do exceeding and abundant above whatever we can ask or think. God is able and we will trust him. There's nothing too hard for God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we bless your name.
how good God is. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Today I'm so happy to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I am so thankful to the Lord for being so good to us. And He has fed us with the finest of speech today. Praise the Lord. I want to greet today. I want to greet and salute the Spirit of the Lord that is so evident with us in this house. I feel the presence of the Lord. I'm so thrilled. Amen. Just being in the house of the Lord. I want to greet, amen, our pastor, Pastor Wyatt and his wife and family. I want to greet the church family today. Praise the Lord. I want to greet my family, my daughter, Toya, and her husband, Brother Bradley, and his family, his mother, father, and sibling is here today. I want to thank God for providing this lovely table well spread. You know, the Lord brought us here from Jamaica for just three weeks. It's our shortest vacation we've ever had. But I want to tell you it's one of the best because he fed us with the natural food. And I want to tell you I've been enjoying the meals from Mother Guthrie and my daughter. And it, it has just been beautiful. And when I come to church, I'm fed with the best food. Amen from Pastor Wyatt. My soul, I have a lot of notes there. But the word of God is so good. I enjoy the singing, the ministry. I enjoy the warmth of the people. I feel so good. And I can promise you, the Lord carry us here for a longer time. It's nice being with you. I love you all. God bless you. And pray for us back home. Jamaica needs your prayer. God bless you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah. Our Lord Jesus is our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's wonderful for the people of God to bring in His presence. And hallelujah. As Solomon says, Thou will show me the path of life. For in Thy presence there is fullness of joy. And I write to Extremely delighted to be with Pastor and Sister Wyatt and the wonderful people of God. Hallelujah. We have enjoyed the presence of God. You know, approximately eight years ago, my wife and I, we were in a place journey. We, we passed through this state. We were coming from Raleigh in New York. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's a great delight that today we can, you know, enjoy the presence of uh, my daughter Toyo and, uh, yes, Brother Bradley. Him from son in law to a son. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Elder Hubert, uh, and uh, Sister Pat, and Matthew, and they are a great family. Amen. We are enjoying their company. We are enjoying your great company. Hallelujah. Glory. And we love the warmth of this church. This is indeed a Christmas angel church. God bless you. they come, we got to hear them preach, right? Amen. So they, they will be back, I'm sure, and we'll have them minister. Church, I love you. We have an anchor, but we got to use it. We have to use our anchor and anchor up because the winds are blowing, the seas are roaring, situations are happening, and you don't want to wait till it's too late. I love you. I thank God for you. It is my absolute privilege to be the pastor of this church. There is no way I would have ever dreamed to think that I could be in such a place. But God saw fit had nothing to do with me. And so I will continue to give myself to the Lord and to you that we will see God's will be done. Have a great rest of your day. For some of you, we're still here Wednesday for Bible study. But if I don't see you Wednesday, enjoy your Thanksgiving. God bless you and have a great day.